Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a baby. Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison Musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On the Facebook, at In the 608. I'm Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And welcome to Real Estate in the 608. It's a Madison-centric real estate podcast where in each episode we do things like we bring in a guest, somebody usually smarter than us, to talk real estate. Talk real estate or or real estate adjacent Mm -hmm. topics. We're going to maybe touch on some headlines of the day, recap some of the highest and lowest price sales in Dane County. Yeah, we'll get some easy info for you. We call it the top of the hour tip and the market update to give you the latest. Yeah, it's kind of like a, why am I listening to this again? Mm -hmm. Oh, there was that one thing, that one trinket of value I received. (laughs) We surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. One of the people we have on each month, and certainly smarter than I, is Phil Plort, president of Blimling & Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He'll be in with a look beyond the 608. And we like to keep it local. In the 608 is our name, of course. So we have artists from right here in the 608 area code. And let us introduce ourselves again. My name is Adam. I'm a homeowner, a teacher. School is back in session, of course. as well as a user experience architect at UW-Madison. I'm Ben Anton, broker associate with the Lauer Realty Group, a landlord and a realtor broker. And, and geez, I feel like I, I'm a lot more lately. Oh, how come? Did you? Did I'm you? super. I'm super busy. Oh. Are we on that part where we talk about what we've been doing since last time? Just about. Let's talk about this architect or not architect. Kevin O'Brien is a residential designer. He operates KOB Creative. K-O- K- Kevin O'Brien. KOB okay. Creative. Uh, Kevin creates design concepts and then renders the vision as construction drawings with builder specifications for the homeowner or general contractor. So he does a lot of the maybe like even the fun part Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. being an architect, maybe a little bit more accessible, and we'll learn more about that when he joins us. That's very cool. I think in my user experience work, I do similar things, except my designs end up being digital and online and his are physical and real world yeah he gets to probably create digital that then now we'll have to ask him about minecraft right (laughs) what's been going on since last time We've been talking for a long time about the house that Rhonda bought and and we kind of we kind of maybe even feel like that's coming to an end so there's the house that Rhonda bought well ben and Rhonda are in the process of buying a sheriff sale foreclosure. Okay. And I am imagining, looking at the the front end of this and the, the kind of metered process that we're being put through, mm-hmm. that it's going to be a feature for a while. <laughs> we won the auction. All right. So we got that part. We, we went to the sheriff sale, the proverbial courthouse steps. You get more than bicycles at the sheriff's auction? You can get a this whole house? This is just houses, this auction. Oh, okay. All but right. I, I've heard of that other one. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That would be fun, too. Yeah. But no, this one, big room, not many people. Almost felt like, shouldn't there be more people here? Uh-huh. We were the only bidder on a house just around the corner from from my own home on First Street, and Which is uh, downtown Madison ish, ish, kind of a little more east near side, east, east side, yeah. Um, and we are in the process of awaiting 
uh, uh, the court date where a judge will uh, put their stamp on the process to see that all of uh, or that due process maybe has been followed and that the foreclosure uh, was legitimate. And then they will choose to or they make the decision to transfer ownership to us. Oh, well, that's interesting. So my house that I currently live in right now, which you helped me acquire, was a foreclosure. But it wasn't the same process that you're describing right now. No. Well, see, what happened is there was there was a representative from the bank there and they offered the amount that was owed. Like they, like, uh, like okay. there. So that happened, like the thing that you're going through with the sheriff's thing, that happened to somebody else. And I just came in after all that stuff. Right. So it, what happened in this case is the, the lender is really kind of the first bid, the opening bid. Oh, okay. And if no one else was there, the bank would get it back. And they would list it on the market, and then someone like you would buy it as a foreclosure. All right. But if there's the potential, or if someone sees the potential for profit or or a a worthwhile risk, they may bid more than the bank. Gotcha. And then they can acquire. And acquire the home. home. So because we were the only ones there, we we literally bid $1 over (laughs) over the... uh, the bank. No. And that was that was $1 enough. How come you didn't do 50 cents? I don't know. I kind of that was what the other guys <laughs> did. Like most a lot of what you're doing there is like looking at the guys who seem comfortable and just do what they did. And I was so proud of myself cuz I I I've been I bet we've been to a few and I didn't want to seem jumpy, right? Like you want right. to seem like you want to seem like one of the cool kids. Right. So like it came up minimum bid. And there's only like four or five people in the room, but I waited. And I waited. I could, t- yeah, I, could yeah. I could see that Rhonda was getting just a little bit uncomfortable, and then I bid. Like because uh-huh. I didn't want to be the first to bid. I didn't want right. to like you don't want like, to start a bidding ooh, war. Ooh, ooh. Right. I didn't yeah. want to like be welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Call on me. I said, what did I say? That one hundred. They said a long number with like down to the pennies, yeah. and I said that long number plus a dollar, oh. and that was it. Was it more like a game of bingo where a lot of people were anticipating something to happen or, or more like, you know, that like high stakes bid auction where somebody's like $10,000 <laughs> going he once, does. going twice. The, sher- the sheriff is reading it into yeah. a into a recorder, probably for the review for of the, the judge, if okay. anybody ever asked questions. But so it's very like reg- regimented and he's court date that, or court date, but but. Case number, blah, blah, address, legal description, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then the representative of the lender is here. Do I, you know, do you waive the reading of the, of the, the of the whole thing? And he says, yes. And then they Oh boy, up. this sounds more like a, so anyway, yeah, a will ho- reading. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk more about that. Do you at least get a ping pong paddle with a number on it? Negative. No, oh, man. <laughs> For me, since last time, uh, I would like to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Heather, who is on board with my no mowing situation. <laughs> she agreed with me, and hit me up on Facebook and said, you know what? I listened to the episode where you're complaining about mowing lawns. I agree. I hate mowing my lawn. Um, so, Heather, you and I are on team no 
mowing of the lawn. Well, next May, you guys can take a break. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to expect some tidy stuff to happen. <laughs> Since we have a designer on today, uh, an experience that I had, I visited Taliesin uh, about Ooh. a month or so ago to kind of look at everything in the Frank Lloyd Wright house. And it was very fun and entertaining. I've never been there before. From it, in the house, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright floor lamp. If you look it up, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's a, obviously a very unique thing. I ended up building one myself out of wood and really basic material and some LED lights. Obviously not what Frank Lloyd Wright had when he made well, it. Well, later uh, when we talk... I was here, very happy here's how our, it turned Here can out. be our second guest tease. Later yeah. when we're talking with our carpenter who was a cabinet maker <laughs> and is a residential designer, you can tell him about your Frank, <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright scrap wood, scrap wood it lamp. Had, it hasn't fallen over yet. <laughs> can we get some pictures? Can we get a picture of the we'll scrap get, wood we'll, lamp? We'll get a picture and I'll share to it. put yeah. on the Facebook. So keep it that's in the 608 on Facebook. Facebook to see a picture of the Frank, Frank, <laughs> the Frank Lloyd Wright inspired. Look, these things scrap wood lamp at, at the gift shop. They're selling these things for like three thousand dollars. I'm like, I can make that. I can, I can make that lamp that Frank Lloyd Wright designed. It's uh, not as bad as it sounds. It's, it's, it's looking all right. So yes, we will share a photo with uh, everyone, and they we're going to look. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> we look forward to they that. They can laugh as well. Are you willing to go into production, make these things for sale? I'm not. Um, it took a couple of weekends to get all the things just right um, to do it and like stain it and finish it and do run the electric. Okay, in now it it's going to look really nice and I'm going to feel badly <laughs> for teasing. I don't have the patience for that kind of carpentry. <laughs> We'll talk about that later. All right. Uh, that's what's been going on since last time. What's been going on from the headlines? Oh, yeah. The news is coming in here. I see it pulled right um, off the ticker. I was going to pull from the headlines and combine that with uh, sometimes we, we on occasion and not every time, but we talk about notable commercial sales. Right. Yeah. Right? And it's it's just kind of interesting to see, well, what did that cost? Right. Sometimes uh, bars, sometimes I've been, buildings, sometimes I've been driving by that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, maybe you say. I've been to Pisons. I have been to Pisons. Have you been to Pisons? Their port salad is one of my favorite things in the earth. Man. Favorite things in the earth. Yeah. Now that I could imagine you recreating. <laughs> I, I have multiple times actually. Notable, uh, notable in the news. The commercial uh, from the this from the September twelfth State Journal regarding mm-hmm. one thirty one West Wilson location of Pisons. And for the most part, the fact that there is a high-rise building above it. Yeah, that's did right. Did you read this one? I did not, no. I, okay. I know exactly where it is, and I can, you know, they got the so overlook over the, the lake. the city of Madison ordered the closure of the downtown building that houses oh. Paisans following concerns about a degrading underground parking garage going back many years, coupled with reports of the structure swaying and shaking. Oh my gosh. I, I can tell you from being in that parking garage, that doesn't surprise me. It's, <laughs> I, it's rough in there. It's rusty. I, it's wet in there. Yeah. Anytime it rains, it's very damp. And like it, it's got like the thing where the concrete feels like it's fallen kind of off, flaking off the walls. Spalling? Spalling is yeah. that word. I yes. didn't know that. Thank you. From uh, excess moisture in the concrete itself, often due to a poor mix. And then the expansion mm. and contraction as it freezes and cools and thaws. The city has issued a no <laughs> occupancy order for the 12-story oh building out of an abundance of caution, said our friend and former real estate and 608 guest Matt Tucker. 
adding that the structure is not in imminent danger of collapse. Oh, my um, gosh. So it's not good. It, it shouldn't tip over. But, boy, if they won't let you in, that can't be good. Buildings do sway and lean, even if they're giant and concrete. Like, they move a little bit, and that's a scary thought to think about. But is Pison still open, then? Or are they part no, of that they're order? Cl- they're it's closed. closed. Concerns about the condition of the three-level parking garage underneath the building have raised have been raised since 2018, according to downtown alder Mike Verveer and the tenants of the commercial office property. Oh, wow. Fun little uh, Ben Anton history. Mike Verveer, right uh, he, he was a very young alder mm-hmm. when I was in school, and he appeared in one of my student films. Get out. Yeah. What was the topic? Uh, there was a murder. There was a murder at the comic strip. And I don't remember what his role was, but he was kind of, he, he's super, he's super friendly. Probably go, patron look, at the bar. Looking for votes, trying to get votes <laughs> any way he could. And he, and he, star, he was not a star, but he was like, he appeared in my student film. Uh, Mike has been a long time. He's the downtown, essentially, Alder. Yeah. And, uh, long time campus. guy. He's been doing it forever. Super nice guy. Good for him. So I feel horrible. That was the place that I went for my uh, divorce marriage counseling. So <laughs> as Pizons? far as I'm concerned, that building can just come down. <laughs> Be- <laughs> Good to get it off the face of the earth for your work. It's a horrible reminder of of my my, uh, therapy sessions. I'm sorry, dude. It's okay. All's well that ends well. All right. Let's talk the lows and the highs. Because the highs and the lows seemed a little bit to me like deja mm-hmm. vu. So here, so I said, what about condos? Oh, yeah. We don't talk about condos we all the time. We don't talk about condos. Let's talk about condos. And oddly enough, maybe there's some overlap here. Uh, the lowest, lowest price sale of condos in the last month in Dane County, $89,000. Okay. 718 square feet, two bedroom, one bath condo on Carling Drive. Like location, location, right? So right. the mm-hmm. block past Ally Drive, which is not a bad place, and there's been a lot of effort to turn a fairly high-density, low-income neighborhood into a place with more owners and people who care. Sure. And, and it's a, so it's, it's not far from there. So it's, it's a neighborhood in transition, we might call it. West side of Madison, off-road road, freshly updated unit in an eight-unit building. So these a lot of buildings built as apartments mm-hmm. in, the 1965, in the 1960s, maybe even a little after that. This one was for like a conversion, like an apartment that had been converted into condos uh, and could be purchased for $89,000. Run this through me in my head. The difference between an apartment and a condo is the ownership portion of it. Yeah. Is that it? Mm. Like you own the condo, right? You own, you own the condo. The apartment but a lot space. of times, a lot of times when, when something has been converted from an apartment to a condominium, there's, there's a lot more muddy water. Oh. Like maybe there's only a single heating plant. Maybe uh, there, maybe gotcha, the walls right. weren't thick, you know, maybe there's not enough sound deadening. There wasn't, they were uh, being right. mindful of like someday someone's going to own the interior here and want, you know, that there, there's, they weren't built necessarily to be okay. the ideal. Maybe the, you know, like if you walk into a brick apartment building, you're totally not surprised to find laundry in the basement. Sure. Right. But if you're buying a condo, where's your laundry supposed to be? It's in your like off kitchen or like in yeah. the place you where don't, you, you don't yeah, go down your to house. like yeah. a communal, <laughs> a communal coin op laundry in the basement. Right. No, you, you, you have the double stack in a closet somewhere in your place. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, different amenities, different expectations for an apartment versus a condo. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, so that was the lowest price. Cheap. One of the cheapest K. things you can get. Highest 
takes us back uptown to a high rise. Uh, and maybe what was in 1999, one of Madison's first con maybe, I mean, it still might actually be one of Madison's true commercial loft high um, rise condo conversions. I uh -huh. mean, the union transfer building. Okay. You familiar with that one? Uh, I'm trying to picture it, but it's like, right on, visual. It's on Wilson. Okay. It's at the, it's you're coming past the Great Dane on your right. You're going down the diagonal there. Yep, That's yep, King yep. Street. Right. And you're pointed at it. Okay. Yeah. Red brick. I know where are like we talking about? Like an actual old building with super high ceilings and like used to be a warehouse, cold storage. Mm -hmm. Now it's condos. Yep. But it's been condos since since 99. Yeah. That's a long time. And those are ex those are that's like an expensive condo set there. They are they? expensive yeah. cuz here but they're but this one's big too. It's um, $875,000 wow. for 2,500 square feet. And, it, and like, not just like big left to right, but you could, you could like drive a little get your bobcat around in your living room. I mean, it had, that, it had maybe 15, 20 foot ceilings. You could have one of the giraffes from the zoo come over and walk <laughs> around just fine. So it was on the market for almost a year, for well, more than a year, 451 days, started out at about a million, came down to 875. Truly an interesting example of an urban loft condo because Madison yeah, doesn't yeah, really yeah. have... Too many of those. We didn't have yeah. a lot of downtown warehouses and, and factories that could later then be converted into condos. Uh, very cool. Condos, I don't know if this is going into the weeds here. Are condos still a good purchase? Depend I guess it's it's probably depending on the person what they want to get out of it. I have I have always said that the one bedroom condominium, because it's the most similar to renting, mm -hmm. is a very volatile product. Okay. Right. It is the first to lose and the last to win. If you can rent mm -hmm. the place for cheaper or get a second bedroom for less per month, well, then why would you buy the, you know, what? Why don't I do that? Five bedroom condo? Or this one. Well, that, that doesn't seem that smart because who wants to put a, fa a family needs a, or a, any group of people, as many as five, will likely want to grill out. I don't know. True. I, I don't want to say a family doesn't live in a condo. That's probably, I'm probably. Yeah. That's but like a, a condo um, with some extra space to move around. A giant condo. Yeah. Well, if you have a million dollars and you want to live on the square, I think that's a fine. That's a great, right. Fine use of your money. So it's intentions of what you want to do. Maybe there's another topic we should get into a little bit. I've always been curious about that because like I've, I've had friends that have bought condos and... They've never said it's been a great deal, but they've said they've liked the no maintenance part of it. Like, I don't yeah. have to mow the lawn. I don't have to do this. This is maybe this is my this is my lawn. No lawn mowing crowd here. Well, one of the things uh, <laughs> that may or may not be interesting to, to those listening is that 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 apartment or the the condo on Carling was something that an investor could buy and use as a rental. Hmm. That oh, is sure. not that okay. is not common oh, yeah. because associations tend to protect themselves yeah. and their value by limiting the number of renters. A little classism at work there. Today's guest, though, is Kevin O'Brien with KOB Creative. Kevin O'Brien has as much experience in construction and design as I have in not pooping my pants. What? 
I just happened. It was like 46 years. I don't know. I thought like, that, it's like, that was a long time. Like that's longer than I've watched. Well, thank you for qualifying that it's been 46 years. Um, <laughs> from, from big jobs to small, from home additions to custom built in furniture or lamps. Oh yeah. Uh, he can work with you to realize your built environment ideas and bring them to life. He probably knows the Frank Lloyd Wright floor lamp that I've referenced. He, we will. We may, that may be a question. We may rewrite <laughs> the history questions. Uh, but first we'll, We'll talk about the house around the bill. Boy, I want to keep you You're listening to Real Estate the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. Ben, what about the house that Rhonda bought? So the house that Rhonda bought, we tore down, built a new one. Mm-hmm. It's almost we done. Just, since since yeah. last time, uh, we all of the work that needed to be, all of the hidden work, mm-hmm was approved. So that means plumbing, wiring, insulation, insulation, electrical, mm-hmm. all the things that you can't see in the house were approved, which means you can go to the drywall phase. Uh, mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, we were so pleased that it's, a, it's one of the same drywallers. I, I'll just, even though I've been using different finishers for many years, um, they have all used the same hanger, the same dry, Daniel, Daniel, the drywall hanger just happened to be the guy that, that did the drywall on the, on the very first house that I, that I worked on in this way. Okay. And that was like 12 years ago. And, uh, and, and I later learned that he and he, he and I have daughters the same age that were friends at school. And so anyway, so I got to see Daniel hanging drywall. It's magical. If you've ever seen people who do something like that all the time, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. What I could do in weeks, he does in days. Yeah. Drywallers, I think, don't get the respect that they deserve because they're work. <laughs> like you don't want to do, if you don't know how to do that work, that's a hard job to it do. Is. And they make it look effortless. The one that can do it well. It's like it's like a dance. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So then uh, following the hanging comes the finishing, and another fella does it like it's magic, like yeah. it's nothing, like like it's putting on pants. <laughs> Is that easy? So uh, so that's all happening. Uh, and that means that next week uh, the flooring can go down because all the mess has been done, right? Mm-hmm. So then they get it gets painted, but then the but then the floor goes down and the the Boyd brothers are just yes. about ready to do that. That's all happening, and it's, and it's exciting, and it's coming, to, it's coming to an end, which means we'll hopefully you know, we'll be able to segue into our next adventure. Into your police auction bought foreclosure story. Yeah, we'll right. more on that next time. All right, let's uh, take a break for the top of the hour tip. Top of the hour tip is local advice from some of our favorite Lauer Realty Group agents on how to improve your home or investment property ownership experience. Sometimes I'm sure of, sometimes my head's not Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. On the phone with us, senior agent Asher Messino from the Lauer Realty Group. In from from a horrible inspection that inspires this month's Top of the Hour tip. Hi, Ben. It was a little bit surprising. It's in a house that was built in the 70s, and this house is completely filled with aluminum wiring, which is a major defect. 
So we had a master electrician out to the house to evaluate it and said that the entire house needs to be rewired. He did note that some other electricians may think it's okay to put a Band-Aid fix on it. However, that is not what most master electricians are saying. They're saying it is a complete defect. It could be a huge safety concern and fire hazard. This issue has gotten even worse because the sellers didn't disclose the aluminum wiring, but they knew about it. Aluminum wiring is very rare. So mm-hmm. if you're buying a house built in the 1970s, the top of the hour tip today, I guess, can be summed up with make sure there's not any uh, aluminum wiring that although limited, and if it's found, you might have to argue as to whether or not that is in fact a defect as defined by the offer. It's definitely a safety concern is what the professionals are saying. And one might also consider that it would have an effect on the value. Absolutely. I mean, if my buyers decide to purchase without having this done, they will come up against this issue again when they try to sell. All right. Well, thank you very much, Asher. And that was this month's Top of the Hour Tip. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. Across the table from me is Ben. And on the line, our in-studio guest today is Kevin O'Brien. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. Kevin has worked and lived in Madison since 1980. He has worked as a carpenter, a cabinet maker, uh, took up drafting, had, has had a remodeling business for, for over 10 years. He built skylights and greenhouses at Wisconsin Solar Design and is now the principal of KOB Creative as a residential designer. I'm honored to, to take on that title. We know a little bit about him, Adam, but what don't we know? Well, we just don't know if Kevin's a fun guy yet, but there's a way to find out. And how, how do we know if he's fun? Well, we got to play a little game. We play a little game, a get-to-know-you game, a history History game, a quiz okay. game, a Madison and Environs, and this week, this month, music included in our trivia cool. game. We call that game the way it used to be. There used to be, there used to be, there used to be, there used to be, used to be nothing but smiling faces far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. Are you ready, Kevin? Knowing that your fate lies in the <laughs> balance and and your answers will determine if we think you are fun. No pressure then. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm going back into the into the into the musical catalog to nineteen sixty-six. If I were a carpenter was first recorded in nineteen sixty-six and performed by Tim Harden uh, at Woodstock in nineteen sixty-nine. What artist, famous also for night moves? and Turn the Page, also recorded this song, releasing it in your senior year of high school, 1972, Appleton, Wisconsin, which I can only imagine to be a scene from Dazed and Confused. Who is it that released that song, If I Were a Carpenter, in 1972? A little stump. Other songs were Night Moves and Turn the Page. Let me throw out Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell is incorrect. No, exactly. Bob Bob Seeger. Seeger, first. Recorded Night Moves and Turn the Page. I didn't know that he recorded that song, so I don't I don't fault you at all. I was, everyone is far more familiar with Johnny Cash. Uh, he did the 1970s version, um, which he recorded with then wife Jude Carter and made it to number two on the country charts. But Bob Seeger, perhaps best known for I th- I think Like a Rock, right? The, uh, she- the Chevy. 
the Chevy yeah. commercial? Like that's like certainly like the most lasting. Sure. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, you can't say Bob Seger without old time rock and roll. I mean, like that, I think, uh, is the pinnacle Bob Seger song. He <laughs> and John Cougar and like there's just a bunch of people like I put them in a bucket. Like they're all like I just uh, those are like there's a certain period of time. Americana or, rock and roll, gritty 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, is he the one that sings? uh Oh, running on empty, and I'm like, no, that's not no, him. That's Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown. Yeah. <laughs> See the one, Jack and Diane. No, no. Think, think of Tom Cruise skating across the living room in his socks. That's okay. old time rock and roll. Old time rock and roll. All right. So Bob Seger, born in Detroit, at the Henry Ford Hospital. I just wow. thought, like, Is that true? Isn't, that, isn't that a little crazy? Like, born at the Henry Ford Hospital, sings the song for Chevy. It's doing. like, I like a little internet. <laughs> I do know Bob Seger's cousin Patty. You knew, oh, there's a connection. We're I get any two degrees that? away from Bob Seger. So we'll get, we're giving you a bell for a Bob Seger connection. So every time I, I, I write these questions, I ask a little history of our guest. And Kevin told me that, that he camped how many years before you wintered in an ice shanty in the middle of Lake Mendota did the Chicago Board of Health close the Chicago domestic market to ice from all of Madison Lakes, with the exception of Lake Wingra, due to the worsening ice quality. As one lives on the ice, maybe they were thinking, geez, it has been so long since they've harvested this ice and used it to chill uh, groceries and vegetables in faraway lands. Oh, I didn't know Did that you know, they even you did didn't that. Know that. Oh, that is Oh, Madison, Madison ice was a thing. Oh. You could get it in, it was like something you bragged about. I would not want a, a Madison ice cube in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that has been the case since since 1908. You are correct, Kevin. Oh. You would not want to use Madison Lake ice in your beverage no. since 1908, if you were in Chicago. But it was not until 1911, it was not until 1911 that the Wisconsin legislature passed a law forbidding ice harvesting on Lake Monona due to a growing amount of industrial waste and unprocessed sewage oh flowing into gosh. the lake. Ugh. So it was about 68 years. So why were you camping on the lake again? It may have been a bad. It was it was <laughs> just for fun, and uh, we were out there for for at least two months. I mean, oh my gosh, uh, you're kidding! During the day, you know, um, but from the time the lake froze till we had to get off on on March 10th, um, <laughs> that was home. We had a a, a, a tiny home. So if I'm hearing this story right, you camped out on Lake Mendota for two months, February, well, January to March, it sounds like. That's right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, was, it was a cold winter, so. <laughs> I would imagine so, living on so much ice. Yeah, as, as winters yeah. tend to be. Yeah. But wow. That's sure. amazing. Number three, name any architect or firm that is Madison famous. And why you might, A, like their work, or B, think something about them is remarkable. Let's skip over Frank Lloyd Wright. Thank you. Too obvious. Potter Lawson is a, is a great Madison firm. If you wanted to show me an example of their work, where would you send me? Um, MATC. Um we're going to get three bells. I, you were fun just because you put up with some questions that were way off base, both as it relates to the to the subject matter and time frame. Um, and, uh, and and Bob Seeger thanks you. Two for degrees. Two degrees of separation yeah, gets yeah. to the bell rung. Uh, we will take a break 
for the market update. We'll find out what's going on in the local real estate market, any trends, uh, and get some guidance for both buyers and sellers from one of our favorite Lauer Realty Group agents. And then we will be back with Kevin O'Brien. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. It's time for the market update. On the phone with us now is Asher Bassino, senior agent at the Lauer Realty Group. Uh, Asher, I was in the office yesterday and I noticed that the whiteboard is back out. It would generally list all of our active listings and then we'd move them over to pending as as that would happen. For the summer, I think the use of said board was abandoned because almost every home would immediately move over from active to pending. Why do you think that is? Well, it's gotten really slow. I mean, right now there are lots of houses sitting, nice houses too, in pretty good condition in decent locations that are still just sitting around. Buyers, any buyers that are out right now, there are there are far few of them and they're being a lot more picky, which they can be right now. It's, it's crazy as if someone threw a switch. It's hard to believe that I'm living in the same town in the same year as it relates to the spring. We've talked quite a bit about the highest prices of the year have been paid. But also, they are still informing the current prices. Some so, of those houses may sit around still. And to be honest, you know, sitting around to us now is like two, three weeks. Yeah. Um, They'll still sell. These houses are still going to sell. It's just taking a little longer. It's taking a little longer. And uh, I think buyers are being a lot more critical twice or even three times. I've seen the house linger those first three weeks at a particular price, then get a price reduction which would all of a sudden get three or four people off the off the fence and compete yep. for it and drive that price right back up to where it was where it wasn't seeing an offer in the first in the first weeks. Thank you very much Asher and you have a great weekend. Thanks Ben, you too. Oh, you ain't going nowhere. You belong right here. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. His name is Ben Anton. Our guest today is Kevin O'Brien, the owner and designer of Kevin O'Brien Creative, uh, a residential designer and draftsman right here in Madison. Uh, Kevin, once again, well done on the questions. I love the Bob Seeger connections. Welcome again. Thank you. We have used the, the word architecture and architect mm-hmm. in some of our questions. Definitely would never use the word architect in reference to myself. That's a touchy thing with architects. And as I understand it, even to, to uh, claim you're doing architecture is uh, subject to rules and regulations. I consider myself a building designer. Well, an architect is somebody that you need to use for a multifamily project or commercial jobs, whereas design of single family and uh, two-family homes is open to uh, somebody who is not a, a registered architect or engineer. Where I work is in, the, in small residential projects. 
I'm not going to say architect. I'm a, I'm a low, low overhead designer, and I can prepare tentative design proposals up through construction drawings, which allows the, the owner to get estimates and to get a building permit. That's what I do. And it's because we're, because he's in that residential realm that he can design the space and not need to engineer it, not need to... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his drawings will not go, nor would an architect necessarily, they don't go down to the detail of where are the studs and where are the, you know, what does, they don't draw every stud and member mm-hmm. in a wall because they just draw the perimeter, the size of the wall and where the window is. And then it is those uniform dwelling code or those prescriptive uh, rules that determine how often the studs are, where the header is, mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. studs are required below it. And that knowledge is is available and learned even by the carpenter, which at one point uh, Kevin was. So you, you've really, it almost seems as if your career has pointed you in a particular direction. you draw inspiration from so we know that we're kind of working within a set of restrictions the code that ben described there how do you how do you take a look at something and say like i know how we could make this great i mean it just goes back my whole life i've I've been uh, studying spaces that are appealing in one way or another and sort of cataloging what it is about them that makes them appealing and I'm just, I'm drawing on that, mm-hmm. and I'm drawing on work experience where I could see how things turned out, you know. Could it have been better? Is it is it awesome? So it's experience traveling and looking at architects' work and, and buildings all over the place. And so, you know, with, with that background, I just kind of have a need to uh, put it out there um, for people and if I asked for one of your designs, if I said, send me a couple of your designs. At this point, I'm doing more uh, structural additions, carriers. That's what people need in order to go out and get their, their building permit and uh, and actually build something out of the house. What are the things that people are doing? Like my limited vision, I'm thinking like a deck is one of the things that people, <laughs> but I'm guessing there's more. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we just added a second story to a, a small house on Marquette Street. And so it doubled the, the square footage from about 650 to about 1,300 square feet. Additions, family room, screen porch. Where, where maybe the challenge is, is marrying the, the new with the old? It's definitely the challenge is, is working with, with the existing conditions and making something appropriate. One of the reasons that I, I thought to have you, because first Kevin called me because Kevin was interested in looking for a lot because uh, he would like to design and build his 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 own home. In the process of talking to Kevin about lots, he'd, he'd almost half identified this one and so has, has now landed on uh, a chosen building site uh, for for his big project. Um, and as soon as that was done, I thought to myself, well, what do, what do I need from him now? Is one, I think that a lot of people uh, who find architects either expensive or inaccessible might, uh, might enjoy hearing what someone like Kevin well, sure. could do 
and mm-hmm. that it that he is far more accessible and far more affordable. Um, but also, if you haven't been listening to all the podcasts, I, I, I talk about this great idea that someone's going to steal Kevin, but you would be the perfect fella to help me start to design a menu of uh, accessory dwelling units that people could choose from. That sounds really interesting. Because you and I could mm-hmm. just sit down and say, well, these are the four or five different designs that you can choose from. And they don't need, they're simple. They're they're residential and probably even far simpler than most. But they, you, you, you don't architect them. You don't need to engineer them. They don't have, you're not parking a truck on top of them. They're just little <laughs> houses. And... And my idea is that someone, me, should uh, start to be a one-stop shop for that kind of opportunity. That's what we're going to talk about later, Kevin, just so you know. But but it's that kind of opportunity, even as far as like the, I would hope it would be a really fancy deck. Because if you're just putting a regular deck on, you should draw it <laughs> your damn self. Um, <laughs> which you can. Right, yeah. If you know how to draw something to scale, you could draw your own deck. So... There you go. And but build if you're it do, yourself, right? If you're doing something that needs a little bit more style and class, I think that someone like a Kevin can take you to that next level. Let's imagine I want to have my basement done, and I don't want to start with, I don't want to get married to a company out of the gate. Yeah. So I can I can come to you, and could you create, could you look at my big empty basement and, and tell me where I should put a bathroom and a rec room and how, I, how that space should come together? You know, if, if I'm designing for you, then I'm looking out for your interest as far as what kind of materials and methods we're going to use in that. And rather than handing it over to a contractor who may or may not have your best interest in mind, so we get the design settled, the materials settled, and, and then uh, give it to contractors to bid on it makes it easier for them they don't have to work all this stuff out mm-hmm. they can see everything dimensionally and and just you know do a takeoff and, and a bid and makes it a smoother process yeah and people don't necessarily think about that but when when we're building a house like Rhonda is um you don't you can't have someone over and point to something and say, what's this going to cost? Because the house doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so it is from the drawings that you get your estimates. You send your drawings to the electrician, and the electrician says, this is how many, uh, this is how much it will be. Or this is yeah. the, the cost of the project. And because, again, there are those uniform dwelling code fixed items, the electrician, the arch- an architect, a home designer, doesn't draw where the outlets are. But mm-hmm. but the electrician knows that when you enter a room, there should be a switch, and within six feet to the door, the code requires an outlet, and then every 12 feet from there, there should be an outlet, and that in certain rooms, there's going to be a required uh, fixture in the ceiling, and, you know, like, there's, there's rules, and they apply those rules and mm-hmm. then can give you the bid, same way that, but this measured, this drawing that Kevin's creating is going to allow you to shop it to whomever and however many uh, people you'd like.
You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben. My name is Adam. Uh, On the line, we're speaking with Kevin O'Brien, owner of Kevin O'Brien Creative. I would argue some of the very things that we're just talking about is that is the core of design, and that's the core of a good designer. The person who can do the, what I would describe, and there's a maxim that I use at work too, you do the hard work to make it simple later. Um, And I think that's kind of what Kevin has been describing some of the stuff he could do here. A person might not know what they want. A person might just say, like, I want, as your example, Ben, I want these things in my basement. I don't know how to do it. Um, But Kevin is that person that could facilitate from idea to a more concrete structure. And once you have that, like, structure or it's actually a blueprint or whatever the drawing would be, that's what makes the process essentially like you're setting up dominoes to make it easy down the road. Yeah, I do agree. That's a a good description. You're much better off with a thorough plan starting out, and it does make the process smoother. And how do you help Ben when you come into his basement and say, Ben Ben wants a living room and a bathroom and some plumbing here? I mean, you're going to look at the the, uh, mechanicals in in the basement and, uh, you know, how do we possibly run plumbing to this corner of where we want to put a bathroom. Um, start to consider those sorts of things. What kind of headroom is there? Are the ducts in the way? Um, are you going to bump your head? Uh, are the stairs coming down up to code? So another example of that is the idea of moving walls in an old house. Um, and it, it's really easy to do on paper, but in practice, it's very complicated. You take a wall apart and you discover all sorts of things inside and you find out that you're going to have to replace flooring where that wall used to be and move wiring, move ductwork. So, you know, I, I guess I, I go in with we're an eye open for that sort of thing. You, you live in an old house, just kind of similar to the old houses that I have lived in and helped people buy. Um, so when I say, uh, can you take out this wall? Uh, you know I'm talking about the one between the kitchen and the dining room, and it's in the back half of the house, and it's the one that everyone wants out to create the, yeah. the open kitchen. Does this wall come out? And my first response is, any wall can come out with enough money. <laughs> um, and then my second response is, if you take this wall out, you need to have something else do the job of this wall, which sure. is which is to hold up the second floor. But then right. Kevin is taking it the next step and understanding that inside that wall that's holding up your second floor might be some things that are important. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, Ben Anton is right across the table from me. On the phone is Kevin O'Brien, owner and designer of Kevin O'Brien Creative. Uh, Kevin, uh, since we referenced Frank Lloyd Wright earlier, Ben uh, was laughing at me because I drew some inspiration after visiting Taliesin recently. And do you know, can you envision the Frank Lloyd Wright floor lamp? Do you know what this is? 
think so. Yeah, I See, think I can. I'm not saying it's like of the caliber <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> but it, uh, it it was it was something that drew me in and kind of like drew my eye. It was just something like, OK, I think I'm going to give it a shot and try and build the thing. When we were just talking about design elements and things that you see, is there a design that that you've bumped into and just really gets in your craw that you're like, oh, this is something that can be made way better? I've seen a lot of bad additions, uh, dormers that just look really out of place. And I mean, it's it's a lot about the roof line incompatible with an existing house. There's some eyesores of that sort out there for sure. I have that same feeling, and they're they're all over the place. But imagine, and because building materials and everything got fancier and different, like people like like they're trying new things and bigger windows and mm-hmm. and and if they could carry a span differently, they're they're putting in big pieces of glass. When triangle shaped windows are in the gable end and the angle of the Triangle does not match does not match the pitch of the roof. It That's just awful. it's oh. awful, <laughs> and it happens. There's all kinds of houses. I think like houses in the '90s. There's all kinds of houses where the where they had these triangle shaped windows in the gable ends, but the top plane of the of the glass does not match the roof. They, I think they have a scissors truss, and so the interior ceiling rises up to a peak at the ridge. And the thing is, with that scissors truss, the, the outside pitch might be a 4 and 12, and the inside will be a 2 and 12. And so if you try and match one with your triangle window, it's not going to match the other. Uh, okay. So your house is either going to be ugly from the inside or ugly from the outside? Either from the inside. But a solution to that is to use a circle. It says here skylights in greenhouses uh, is something that you that you used to do. Does this mean that you worked on like those? And this is my own opinion on those really ugly houses with big walls of glass that were supposed to be the next the next best thing because they have passive solar heating. I, I don't think I worked on any of those. No. Okay. Think of those diagonal roofed homes with greenhouses on the back. There's a bunch of them in Fitchburg and some in Middleton where the, where like where the homes were supposed to be heated by the sun. Uh, it's hard to come by much solar heat in, in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, we learned that this summer with our backyard swimming pool with a solar heater, and we rarely <laughs> got above 78 degrees. I don't have a problem with solariums, solaria on, on homes and, and bringing sunlight in, in that way. But Well, uh, I d- there was, there, I'll maybe... Uh, Maybe I'm just opinionated, but and I've been in a few, and they often had uh, moisture problems inside. But I, I almost kind of imagined someone who was specifically working on skylights and greenhouses as if that was like part of the passive solar community. <laughs> I think it might have started out that way. Uh, Wisconsin Solar Design. I think they were doing solar work in, in the '80s when they started, and uh, now it's more. Uh, commercial skylights and, and greenhouses, working greenhouses and that sort of thing. We're going to take a quick break for Phil's phone in and then uh, and then we'll come back with and talk to you to get one more thing. 
time for Phil's phone-in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling & Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. As you know, home prices here in the 608 and elsewhere in the country continue to march relentlessly higher. To cite one figure, the National Association of Realtors reported median prices for existing home sales at an all-time high of 363000 in June, up 18% year-over-year. Now, Ben, against that backdrop, I know that you, your listeners, and our acquaintances wonder about affordability. Are we pricing families out of the market? History suggests we're not there yet. For example, I analyzed some data around personal income and medium home prices. In the second quarter of this year, medium home price was at about $375,000. Per capita income was equal to 17% of that price, pretty much in line with the 10-year average. Looked at another way, ahead of the big housing bust in 2008, home prices peaked at $257,000 in the first quarter of 2007. Per capita income was at 15% of that price, well below the 17% average prevailing at the time. Using today's figures, medium home prices would have to be at $406,000, or about 8% higher than they are, to get to that same 15% ratio. Or consider the National Association of Realtors Affordability Index. It was at 150 in July of this year compared to 117 during the first quarter of 2007. I'm not saying home prices will continue to rise. I'm not saying that everything is just fine for everyone everywhere. But the data says we're not pushing the envelope on affordability. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. This end of the table is myself, Adam. The other side is Ben Anton in a safe, socially distant space. And that's why we have Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Brien on the phone today. Kevin's the owner and designer of Kevin O'Brien Creative. Uh, Kevin, thank you again. It has been wonderful talking today. I feel like I learned a little bit about design as well as that the angle of your windows have to meet the angle of your roof. Otherwise, things just go poorly. Well, and he's telling us that it's either the roof or the ceiling. The like roof you get or to the ceiling, right? Yeah, one or the other, or you get, or you choose a complementary shape that that takes you in a different direction. This is true. Um, I think I think what often happens, and maybe maybe why some of our listeners enjoy this chatter, is that is that we talk about something that all of a sudden reminds us or clarifies something that we talked about earlier. And so we've talked about the wall that everyone wants to come out and we've talked mm -hmm. about building code and we've talked about, um, but now we're starting to, it, it is when we talk to someone like Kevin, who's seeing it from a higher perspective that we see how it all works together. Mm -hmm. And and we start to see how different concepts that we maybe heard in other episodes are all kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. that's why that is. Or th these things, these things come together nicely. What does the person who calls you need if they like like if you pick up the phone? There's probably all kinds of people that call you that, that don't know what they need or aren't ready to that can't verbalize it as I can't. Um, but. What are they going to say to you that makes you go, this is great. 
this is exactly the kind of person I want to help. And that is exactly the kind of uh, problem I, I want to help solve. What is it that they're calling you for, Kevin? Well, I think they're maybe looking for an economical approach to um, getting their project off the ground. Um, and I think I provide that as far as my uh, background in building. I think I, I um, will design things that are buildable and 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 uh, thought out in that way um and i i have really come to appreciate um like a homeowner's concept of what they want um I, i've really learned to to follow that as much as possible they've been in that house for some time i've just arrived you know 20 minutes ago so I want to hear what, what their vision is and, and find a way to realize that. How, do, how can they best reach out to you? or how, what? Um, Well, I have a website, kobcreative.com, and I have a telephone and people often call. So they can look yes. that up there. I hate it when people rattle off their phone numbers. <laughs> okay. like, like, do That's I have a pen? I have a pen. But I still wouldn't write that down. I'd look at your <laughs> website and find, is your phone number gotcha. on the website, Kevin? Sure, I sure. bet you. I bet you're a user experience architect like Adam knows that the phone number should be on the website, <laughs> along with your location and mailing address. <laughs> Good work. Yeah. Just like here's a little commercial for the rest of us. Your phone number should be in your email signature. Thank you. <laughs> Period. Like I don't care if you are my friend or my or my business associate or a client. If just everyone should have their phone number in their email signature. The world would be a better place. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got Kevin from Kevin O'Brien Creative. Uh, you can learn more about him or reach out to him at kobcreative.com. Thank you very much, Kevin, for joining us. And uh, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Find us online at inthe608.com. Also on Facebook, in the 608. My name's Adam. His name is Ben. Ben, what was that? That was Kevin O'Brien, residential designer with KOB Creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, kind of interesting. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't bring this up as one of the questions, but I, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and he should have been here to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as the medical field evolves, mm-hmm. we find there are more and more specialists, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like you used to go to the doctor and the doctor would do all the things. Right. But now you, you, you get touched by dozens of people who yep. are special at different things. And a lot of that is probably to be more affordable and more efficient. So you're meeting with a physician assistant instead of an MD oh, or, yeah, or, a, yeah. or an R, a, a registered nurse. So like everybody is working up to their pay grade, sure. but, not a, but not a step over, right? And I think that, um, that a residential designer is kind of an example of that same efficiency. Like he can do all of this from here down. Mm-hmm. And from here down is probably going to be more than you'll ever need. Right? I got you. You're but right. you, yeah. but I don't need an architect who can engineer uh, a foundation wall or tell me how many 
pounds per square inch of particular mix of concrete is required to span 12 feet in a parking structure. We don't need to know that, so we shouldn't mm -hmm. pay for that. We need to know what the space will look like how to most efficiently and effectively get to that from our idea. And I think someone who's literally done all those steps is going to be a real asset. Sure. Right. In the same way that your Bob, the drywaller is not going to be able to design the entire room, but he can drywall the heck out of the thing and like, make it look great. Like, and so much faster <laughs> right? and more efficiently than, than almost any. And it's Daniel, not right. Bob. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's being able to being able to do that one thing and do that one thing well. Right. And the designer, I think... Even, like, though, even though he's doing so much more than one thing, but well, you, right. get, you get where I'm going with that. Right. And the designer's like the glue to put all those pieces together and know how all these, how all the fluidness of like a project could come together. And the drawings be giving you the power then to shop. Exactly. To give you the ability, because wouldn't you hate to start working with someone who's going to do your drawings and then even if and you started you like to it. not like right. them? Yeah. If you started not like them, but they, but you're like halfway through now. Right. Like, because now that same person whom you've tired of is going to help you build it and you're going to go <laughs> through the frustrations of construction with? No, thank you. Um, I think I think I'm, I have recommended, Kevin, to a couple people who have asked me about additions yeah. or, or mm -hmm. best way to lay out basements and things like that. And, and I understand that those things are going well. Um, yet to see any finished projects from uh, customers I've sent, but I would imagine they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's a popular thing. I want to say, like, you know, I mean, just my neighbor behind me added a whole, like, three-season addition onto their house. I think a lot of people did that over COVID times as well, A lot too. of investing in our homes, a lot yeah. of people creating extra space mm -hmm. or extra spaces in their home because they're there more often. Um, All right. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. I hope yeah. that you enjoyed it, too. Kevin O'Brien from Kevin O'Brien Creative. Uh, people can find out about the podcast, probably Kevin O'Brien and, and other things in the newsletter. Other things like an additional opportunity for a market update, the From the Hip Market Update, as well as some other homeownership tips and tricks uh, in my monthly newsletter, the 22nd 22nd Read, a podcast for your eyes. It comes on the 22nd and is delivered in easy-to-digest segments, taking no longer than 20 seconds to read, almost less time than it took me to spout all that off. There's a sign-up button at in the 608. You know you realists are on Facebook. You know you beg people to like get the stopwatch out, and I have, and it <laughs> works. You've timed out well, so good job. <laughs> so there we are. Sign up for the newsletter. It's a great way to be reminded uh, of, of like if you have a real estate goal. It's like a little monthly tap on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Ooh, mm -hmm. geez, did I do that yet? Maybe I should get to work on that. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank Kevin O'Brien with Kevin O'Brien Creative for being our guest today and and uh, informing us. Uh, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on this and, journey And today. all of our musicians this month, including Bob Seger. <laughs> including Bob Seger. We do not have the license to actually play Bob Seger. Like rock. <laughs> but Ben will right now sing <laughs> his top three Bob Seger hits for you. <laughs> no, just that's the only one I can That's do. it. Okay. Uh, Renclaw, El Donk, the Oak Street Ramblers. Bob Westfall, Seesaw, who's on tour at a, a, a place near you. They're touring all over the place right now. Uh, and the Mad City Jugman, who are also on tour. You can still get your summer into early fall gigs. <laughs> they have the chug. Uh, 
Uh, yes. And thank you once again uh, for listening today. Also, thank you to Heather, by the way, for being part of my No Mo Club. The No Mo, Heather. <laughs> All right. Fine. Ben's never going to join us, but that's okay. Uh, and thank you to you, Ben. And thank you, Adam. And have a great month. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on Could be taking the and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather me could be out late, and we could be So I'm singing you this waiting song.